Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul, your host, and as always, welcome to the podcast. Now, on today's episode, we're going to talk controversial issue here. We're going to talk about AFCIs, Arc Fault Circuit Interrupters. We're going to talk not so much in the weeds of the testing of AFCI devices. We're going to talk about the change that's that's part of a public input that's coming to the 2020 cycle. It has not yet been released in the public draft, but it has been voted on in the first draft uh, based on a first draft revision. And it has received a two-thirds vote, so it's moving forward. Uh, and as you can probably expect, it's an expanded use or expanded requirements for arc fault circuit interrupters within uh, these branch circuits and uh, so uh, in dwelling unit applications. So it's causing quite a bit of controversy, I'm sure, when it comes out. There are the, there are the people that are in the, I hate the AFCIs, and it's just the, the manufacturers trying to make money. Uh, they're in that camp. And then you got the people that are in electrical safety, the fire marshals, the inspectors. They're the people that actually know how AFCIs really work and what their intended purpose. And they weren't supposed to be the holy grail of everything. But they are a good fundamental safety feature. Uh, and it's a small price to pay to ensure safety in a house, especially for the wiring you can't see in the wall. And again, I'm imposing some of my personal views in that. And I'm going to kind of pull back from that a little bit. So you have these two camps and you got these online forums that will bash anybody that supports ASCIs and they will say that it's just the manufacturers trying to make money which shows their ignorance they don't understand how the code development process works and then you've got got you've got the people in the industry who really support these products because they understand how they work uh, are they the holy grail no but everybody don't understand that you would never, ever, ever think of leaving ground fault circuit interrupters out of applications in the 210.8 of the NEC or other areas of the code that require it, like in pools, 
because they've proven to work over 40 years of success. Well, GFCIs aren't infallible, okay? So they do have a, a situation where they will not function correctly, and we will talk about that in another episode. So when we talk about GFCIs and their function and things like that. But in this episode, we're talking AFCIs, arc fault circuit interrupters, and there has been proof that these products function to the scope of what they're supposed to function. They're not the holy grail, but they do stop certain characteristic arcs that are important. Do they solve potentially every known process? Absolutely not. Do they cost a little more? Absolutely. Do they provide a level of protection? Well, if I'm going to pay five to $10,000 in an upscale house to add extra granite or to add some kind of audio surround sound or some other feature that adds absolutely no safety component, however, I can pay a small price to the electrical increased job. And in the scheme of things, we're talking a very small percentage that I can add an element of safety that maybe is not 100%. But I can tell you in my own personal experience in dealing with products that were recalled due to something that was detected by an AFCI, or in my own experience where I wired a house many years ago in one of the circuits that wasn't required to be AFCI, uh, didn't trip a breaker, uh, but actually because I lucked out and the homeowner wanted to move some lighting that we cut it into the ceiling, and we noticed that some nails had been driven through the non-metallic sheath cable, which over time could have created an arc that we wouldn't have detected it. Uh, and uh, so when it was on a circuit breaker, it worked fine. When we put it, after we opened it up, we put a arc fault circuit interrupter in just to test it. And the arc fault circuit interrupter kept tripping out. And it was directly because of the nail that was driven to the non-metallic. So many people's fix would have been, well, if it's all sheetrocked or, or gypsum boarded, then, oh, just replace the AFCI device with a regular breaker and it won't trip anymore. Well, that's kind of ignorant. So we showed, and I don't share that story a lot, but I showed at that time, and I had people that were with me to verify this, that I just lucked out. I just happened to go into that area of the ceiling and notice that a nail was driven through the non-metallic sheath cable. Now, why did I notice that? Because the job required crown molding, which was of a certain size, and we ran wiring to get to these lighting with the notion of what the crown molding was going to be. It just happened to be the way we routed it. But this was a multi-million dollar home. And at the end of the process, they actually changed to a 12-inch crown molding. These were 16-foot ceilings and long, complicated story. But we would have never. And, and you know what? I'm not foolish to think that there, this didn't happen at other places within it. But the circuit went fine. So um, the normal circuit breaker didn't detect it. But the AFCI did. So what I did was, on my own cost... Even though the code at that time when I did this only required it to be on the bedroom. In fact, in Virginia, it's still only required for the bedroom, which is a foolish notion. But anyway, that's what it is. Um, when I put an AFCI in there, it tripped on that circuit. When I replaced that piece, it was fine. So you can argue all you want, what you want, whatever. Um, all I'm telling you is... In my scenario, an improper case to neutral downstream, whether it's in a junction box, that's where the equipment grounds accidentally touches the grounded terminal because you push all those wires back in the box. It will trip it. People want to call that a nuisance trip. It is not. It's a fundamental installation issue. There's just so many issues. With that said, will an AFCI catch everything like a glowing arc? Probably not. 
However, if it does have integrated GFCI componentry, it might catch something. So the companies that remove GFCI protection might be, in my opinion, taking a step backwards, but they might have their own specific type of algorithm that can detect it or not. You know, I'm not here to judge it because I'm not an AFCI manufacturer. Okay, let's make that clear. But it's important to understand that AFCIs do serve a role, no different than a GFCI serves a role. So enough of the soapbox. You can agree to disagree. You can hate AFCIs. You can blame the manufacturers. You can cause it a money-making scheme all you want. The fact of the matter, let's not be naive. As far as the NEC is concerned, it's not going away. It has been justified. It's been supported by NFPA. It's supported by the fire marshals. Okay. It's supported by a lot of experts in the industry. Okay, now, do you want to know whether or not the manufacturers make money off of them? Well, hell yeah, they do. But we make money off of everything. If I'm an electrical contractor and I'm installing AFCI devices, I'm going to charge for that. You know, if you're an electrician and you don't believe in AFCIs, but the code says you have to install them, then you're going to install them. Now, if you want to give them away for free because you're on some little personal protest, well, that's that's fine. That's up to you. And you can do your little protest all you want. But if I'm an electrical contractor, I'm in the business of making money. And so I'm going to keep my normal markup, my normal percentages. I'm going to install AFCIs where the code requires me. I'm going to charge for them. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to understand that they are an enhancement. Let's talk about smoke alarms. You would never think in today's society of not installing smoke alarms because the International Residential Code requires them. Okay? Well, I've got to install them in the bedrooms. I have to install them immediately adjacent outside of the bedrooms. I have to have them per floor. Now, when a fire starts, these smoke alarms obviously detect the smoke, but the fire has already started. All we're trying to do is potentially buy you some extra time to maybe get out of this building. We're not trying to stop the house from burning. We're not trying to do that. We're trying to buy you extra extra time. Well, an AFCI device is taking the best possible chance at looking at the wiring that you can't see. My example of that nail driven through because of the crown molding is a great example of it. There's also been consumer product safety commissions that show that luminaires that have come from China that actually had a defect in them, that the only way that they were detected was due to an AFCI device detecting those. Okay, There's a lot of what we call nuisance tripping that, again, was probably an installation issue that there's so many connections that are made in the house that you're having trouble finding them. So what do they do? They pull out the AFCI device, they put a regular circuit breaker in there, and then they move on. That is not the smart thing to do. Now, AFCIs for use in older buildings that have shared neutrals can be a complex issue because that's the nature of those knob and tube applications, shared neutrals. It can be more complex. Um, So there are challenges that you have to face. And that's why electricians get paid the big bucks because we have to look at those challenges. They do make circuit breakers that allow you to use a shared neutral application. They are costly, but you got to use them. There are applications where a good electrician can troubleshoot a circuit and find those improper case to neutrals downstream. That's what the AFCI, there are diagnostic tools. And a lot of the manufacturers today are embracing the fact that AFCIs are a diagnostic tool. And they're trying to make sure that you don't have these improper case-to-neutral connections downstream. They are looking at, and they're constantly a, a separate set of eyes on the circuit. Now, again, if you want to argue that it's a manufacturer just trying to sell money, make money, hey, that's your thing. If you want to beat your chest, 
Okay, trust me, you're in the minority. And if you say that you're not in the minority, then you're just a damn fool. You're a fool. Because if you look at the NEC, if you look at it, and if you simply think that the manufacturers control everything on these code panels, you are also a fool. Or you're just plain ignorant. Because if you look at the makeup of these code-making panels, you're going to see that it's made up of inspectors. It's made of authority having jurisdictions. It's made up of, of wire and cable manufacturers. It's made up of um, different associations like IBEW or NECA, which are the electricians that you represent. Uh, it, it's made up of, of, of UL. It's made up of other third-party NRTL groups. Um, it's made of the petrochemical groups. It's made up of consultants. It's a wide selection of people that have to come to an agreement. And you have to reach a two-thirds vote in order to get something pushed forward. And if you think that it is simply overrun by manufacturers and that they push anything they want through these code-making panels, then you're just ignorant. You just don't understand it. And you know what? I'm not a hater. I'm not going to yell at you. I, you know, It might sound like it here. And I will, you know, I will do my little, here you go. It's a conspiracy. But at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to make the code as best we can. And we're trying to make safer homes. And again, remember that the Consumer Product Safety Commission recommended this all the way back in studies that started well before it got into the 1999 code for use in the 2002 edition once it's published. So we kind of gave you an introduction and then formally it was in the 2020 code is when it was, it gave you a sunset date when it was to start. Now, getting back to AFCIs. So fundamentally, let's understand what an AFCI uh, device is. It's looking for both parallel and series arcs. So when somebody tells you they're installing a combination type AFCI device, it is not a combination AFCI uh, and GFCI, okay? And we've probably explained that millions of times. People still, no matter what seminar I do, I do, I'll ask people, do you know what a combination AFCI device is? And I'll have somebody say, it's a GFCI and an AFCI. Um, and really, that's not what it is, okay? So a combination AFCI is, is looking for a combination of both series and parallel type of arcing conditions, and we're not going to go overly connect, uh, technical in that, but I want to explain to you that there's a difference. So if I have an arc at a terminal because I don't terminate it properly, I don't torque it properly, or if I have a wire that's been pinched or damaged through a door or jam or however you've run extension cords or however you've run the wire and, the, and a staple was driven too tight or in my case a nail was driven through, what happens is you create what's called a series arc where it arcs across the series. Now, that series arc, obviously, is based on a complete loop of circuit. It means you have a closed-loop circuit. And the load is very dependent on how intensified this series arc is. Okay, So it might be there going on for a long time, and the load is low enough that it doesn't create such a problem. But over time, that arcing can create heat. And if it's through material that can get pyrolyzed, like wood or other combustible materials, over time, the heat can get higher and higher and higher, and potentially it could cause it to com- to start a combustion condition, or, or we would say a spontaneous combustion over a long period of time of this sustained arc. Okay, So again, it's a series arc is very limited by the load. Now, 
A parallel arc is an arc that is not limited by the load. In other words, I could have an extension cord that is actually crushed to the point where the return path, or you have what's called an ungrounded conductor and a grounded conductor, and you have or a neutral, and you have this this circuit that is kind of before it even gets to the load, it's kind of you have a breach where the one conductor is touching the other, and it's not enough to cause a dead short. It is actually creating an arc, and that arc over time generates heat. IR squared. As the heat generates, it could become a dish condition where it could start a fire. Uh, that series arc could cause an issue where over time, a loose connection at a termination creates uh, the melting of a device, which ultimately could cause it to catch fire. All these type of things. So uh, you can get out more of this information by going and in, in, in Googling AFCIs and learning a little bit more or contacting the manufacturer. But when a combination device, you're looking for both parallel and a series typing arcing condition, okay? So uh, if you stick two of your fingers side by side, then that's a parallel. If you stick the two ends of your fingers together, point to point, that little point there is a series arc where the two fingertips touch. And as that pulls apart, that's where an arc can develop. And it is all based on the intensity of the load that creates that arc, okay? If there's nothing flowing through the circuit, then obviously there's not an arc. Okay, for years, people didn't think series arcs were a big concern, so they had parallel arc protection. But slowly, people realized that both series and parallel were concerns. Okay, you can argue the science all you want, okay? But at the end of the day, that is where we get into the study that talks about this arcing protection. All right, now, so a, a dual function... AFCI device, when you hear the term dual function, not combination. Now, it could be combination dual function, which means the combination means, again, parallel and series arc protection, but a dual function device is one that does both AFCI and GFCI. Very common, let's say, for a kitchen countertop where you might have GFCI protection. Of course, you could put an AFCI breaker in the panel and have a GFCI on the countertop and meet both of those because the two technologies work very good together. Um, or you could just put a AFCI combination breaker in the panel that's also a dual function. And that means it does also AFCI and GFCI, and then you add that GFCI protection to the entire circuit. Okay, that's an option, and we'll look at that here at 210.12 of the National Electrical Code when we talk about what's coming your way in the 2020. So we've slowly seen AFCI protection expand in the last couple cycles, all starting back in the 1999 when it first made announcement and then 20, 2002 when it first went in the code live. And it slowly moved out of the bedroom into other areas and now it's branched into outlets, but also, and we're not talking just receptacle outlets, we're talking all types of outlets in these locations and also devices now to encompass things like switches. But we're talking about 120 volts single fa uh, branch circuits, and that's what we're talking about. And we'll look at the code in depth here in a second. I don't want to go too fast. But we've seen a migration now, and all of this is under what originally the Consumer Product Safety Commission wanted, and slowly we're seeing it get that way. All right? So that brings us to the 2020 National Electrical Code. It's already been through public uh, public input stage. It's already been through the two-thirds vote uh, and it's soon, soon going to be published in the first draft and will be open for public comment. 
But what you needed to see was that we are actually moving forward with all of the areas now in dwelling units that require to have AFCI protection. And those are all that are 15 and 20 amp, 120 volt branch circuit applications. Okay, We're not going to things like ranges yet. We're not going to things like dryers. We're not dealing with the 30 ampere applications. Again, 15 and 20 ampere, 120 volt applications. Okay, so. Uh, let's look at the code. Uh, well, you don't have this, so you kind of. I'm going to read it for you as we as we discuss it. What we're going to talk about is 210.12a and what's coming for the 2020 code. Now, nothing changed from the 2017 when it comes to the six options to be able to meet the requirements in 210.12a. Uh, what did change is instead of having a laundry list of of locations that required it. For example, it used to say in dwelling units, kitchens, family rooms, dining rooms, living rooms, parlors, libraries, dens, bedrooms, uh, sun uh, rooms, uh, uh, recreation rooms, closets, hallways, laundry areas, or similar rooms or areas. Now, because people said, well, what about garages? Or what about basements? Or what about bathrooms? And what about those areas or what about the areas that already require GFCI protection, but it seems to not require AFCI protection, some of those unique things like bathrooms and things like that. All of that is gone now. So what's being proposed is the code says, and this is the new language, it's going to come out. And of course, you can put in public comments if you feel passionate about it. And I've also gotten some flack from the people in the industry that make these devices that said, Paul, by you identifying this, you create the potential for a lot of public inputs that are going to come in that could potentially shoot this down. Well, to be honest with you, we're not hiding anything. Okay, there's nothing to hide here. Um, I welcome public comments because you know what? If you simply are just voice... Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. In your opinion, then you're not gonna, it's not going to change anything because that's not what a public comment is all about. You have to have some technical substantiation. These things were substantiated based on tests that were done during the Consumer Product Safety Commission and things that have happened in the industry. And I gave you an example of where I personally witnessed this application. But I also know that my work with NEMA, that I got to work with a lot of the engineering departments with these manufactured products and understand how they actually function and that they're, again, not 100% foolproof, but they're the best we have. And we need to move forward with that. And I'm not going to get back on that soapbox, but you get what I'm talking about. So let's look at it. So here's what the code actually says or what it's proposed to say. 
It says, and this is 210.12a, it says all 120 volt, notice it says all, okay, all 120 volts, single phase, 15 and 20 ampere branch circuits supplying outlets or devices installed in dwelling units shall be protected by any of the following means. And we'll have a six items here, six options to be able to protect these branch circuits. Now, the first one says I can use a listed combination type AFCI circuit, uh, an arc fault circuit interrupter, um, and it's designed to protect the entire circuit. So when we say listed combination, that means that it protects not only series, but also parallel. Now, if I want to use a dual function in order to meet the other requirements of 210.8 for GFCI requection, uh, GFCI protection, then go for it. You're more, you, you're, you can do that all you want. That's, that's not a problem. All right. Here, we're just simply trying to focus on the AFCI component. If you want to combine the two, that's perfectly fine. Next, item two says, okay, well, we're going to let you use the listed branch feeder type AFCIs, which aren't dual combination. Okay, They only really protect an application for parallels. Okay, So that application is, I'll let you use a listed branch feeder type AFCI installed in the origin of the branch circuit. That means you can install it in the panel. It's a circuit breaker. As long as you install a listed outlet branch circuit, that's the receptacle type AFCI. They have out on the market. They are available. They look like GFCI devices that you put in a receptacle outlet uh, box or an outlet box. Um, they are out there. They are available. They look just like a GFCI. Again, they work fine with GFCI technology. They work fine with the upstream AFCI branch circuit type devices. Obviously, we wouldn't put this in here if they didn't cohabitate well together. Okay. And so I could put a branch circuit feeder, uh, which is the old style AFCI device prior before we had the combination requirements. So now I can use those, and they were bought back in the 2017 code, and it's extending on here in the 2020. I put that in the panel, and then I put this OBC, that's what we call those outlet branch circuit type AFCI devices, and the first receptacle, and that's a caveat, it has to go in the very first outlet box of that branch circuit, and I have to mark it, okay? So I have to put those little markings on there, all right? So if I do that, then I'm okay. I can meet this AFCI requirement. Now, the third way to do this is called a listed supplemental arc protection circuit breaker. Uh, and if I get one of those and I put an outlet branch circuit or an OBC type AFCI device in the first outlet of the branch circuit and I meet three conditions, then I can go this route to meet the AFCI requirement. Now, a lot of people ask me, do they make listed supplemental arc protection circuit breakers? And you know what? I haven't seen any yet. And by the time they do come out or by the time I buy one, then I have to pay for that. Plus, I have to pay for the outlet brand circuit device. Why wouldn't I just buy a listed combination device and just get it over with? Or why wouldn't I use a regular AFCI branch feeder type with the OBC? Why would I want to install one of these supplemental arc protection circuit breakers? But let's say that I do and then I have to meet three caveats here. And it says, the first one says, okay, the first one is the branch circuit wiring has to be continuous from the branch circuit overcurrent device that we're talking about. That's one that is listed for supplemental arc protection all the way to the first outlet, okay? And it has to be continuous. In other words, it can't break through other junction boxes or whatnot. It's got to be continuous. Secondly, if it is 
14 gauge wire, then it can't exceed 50 feet. And if it's 12, uh, 12 gauge wire, it can't exceed 70 feet. All right. So you have that little caveat that you have to be aware of as well. And thirdly, it has to again be installed in the first outlet box of the circuit. And I have to mark it to let everybody know that that's the first outlet box. Okay. So if I meet all three of those and I can have what's called a supplemental, a listed supplemental arc protection circuit breaker in the panel, and then I can have one of these OBC AFCI receptacle type devices at the first outlet. And as long as I don't exceed 50 or 70 feet, depending on the gauge of the wire I use between the two. Okay. So that's the rule there. The next allowable method that I can use to meet this rule in the 2020 is going to be a listed outlet brand circuit arc fault circuit interrupter installed at the first outlet. So that's those OBCs. I can install it at the very first outlet. And then I can use a listed circuit breaker or a standard circuit breaker in the panel. Now, there's a caveat here. You've got four different items that you got to follow, an A, B, C, and D. Now, I'm going to tell you that item D is going to make this one hard to meet, but I'm just going to get into, if it's available, here's one of your options. Well, first thing is, I have to have the, the actual branch circuit has to be continuous, just like it was in uh, 210.12A3. It has to be continuous to the outlet branch circuit, arc fault circuit interrupter. So it's got to be continuous, no breaks in there. Okay, And you got to put that in the first outlet. Okay, So that has to be continuous. No junctions, no splices, no jumping through another device. It's got to be continuous. The second one says you have a, in order to meet this rule and be able to use a standard circuit breaker, still listed, but it's standard breaker with an OBC AFCI outlet device. The maximum length of the branch circuit wiring uh, to that first outlet can exceed again 50 feet for 14 gauge or 20 or 70 feet for 12 gauge. Okay, so I still got that limitation. The third thing is very similar to what we just went over. In fact, these are mirrored copies of what we just talked about. Is that that first outlet box brand circuit shall be marked to indicate that that is the actual first outlet of the circuit. So you have to put some kind of marking on that. Uh, you know what might be neat is that it should be an optional marking on the actual device. But I don't want to go down the road for that. All right, but right now it's a label, but we know people could take off those labels. They do all the time. All right, now here's the big one. A combination of the branch circuit overcurrent device and the outlet branch circuit AF device shall be identified as meeting the requirements for a system combination type AFCI and shall be listed as such. Now, I sent in a public input on this, caused quite a crap storm, if you will, with the people on that code panel, especially the manufacturers. They literally had a fit. Really, I got calls. I got people contacting me saying, Paul, what are you doing? Look, here's my thing. If it wasn't available, why make people require it? Okay, but you know, what it is what it is uh, because I'm first things first, I'm an electrician. And I care about, I don't like the code to have things that require, that allow us to do something on products that don't actually exist any right now. But if it did exist, if you find one. So what this is saying is, if I have an AFCI outlet, okay, an OBC AFCI outlet, and I want to use it with a standard listed circuit breaker, I have to make sure that these work together, that they've been evaluated together as a system. 
So the evaluation of the trip curve of the circuit breaker is going to provide some protection at, that the outlet can't provide on its supply side or its line side. Uh, so they have to be evaluated together in order to meet this. And so in combination with the limited distance for the wire, whether it's 14 or 12, the fact that it's in the first outlet, the fact that it's continuous, uh, if the manufacturer looks at that trip curb, looks at analysis of that along with this outlet overcurrent, uh, this outlet AFCI, I guess they're evaluating the fact that these OBS devices do provide a limited amount of upstream protection uh, when it comes to a series. Of course, downstream it offers both series and parallel. Uh, so, so looking at all this and due to the limited length, and the inherent resistance and the ability for the arc to be extinguished in such a small amount of time and such a short length or whatever, that I guess it's okay. And the problem is finding that combination, it's almost going to require that a manufacturer makes both the AFCI device and the circuit breaker. So me, it gives unfair advantage to a manufacturer who's large enough that can actually make both devices. But you know what? Hey, Capitalism as it may, what's to stop the other companies from doing that or doing an independent test and start checking their breakers for use with open, readily available market devices and, and put out a list that says they have devices that are okay to work with these type of circuit breakers. Okay, Yeah, it's going to require some testing, but it is what it is. All right, so the other options you have is item 5. Is 210.12A5, and that is if the branch circuit is in RMC, that's rigid metal conduit, IMC, intermediate metal conduit, EMT, electrical metallic tubing, type MC cable, or steel armored type AC cables. Okay, so with MC, it's both steel or aluminum armor, but when it comes to AC cable, it's got to be steel armor that meets the requirements of 250.118. Okay, so once it meets those types of requirements, it also says metal wireways, metal auxiliary gutters, and metal outlets and junction boxes are installed for the portion of the branch circuit between the branch circuit overcurrent device and the first outlet. It shall be permitted to install a listed outlet branch circuit ASCI in the first outlet to provide protection for the remaining portion of the branch circuit. So basically what it's saying is use one of these wiring methods that are metal in the supply side to the or the line side from the circuit breaker to the actual AFCI device in that first outlet. If you do that, well, at that point, then, you know, and you're dealing with the, uh, a metal outlet and junction box, all of that's put in place, then you put this AFCI outlet device in there, then you don't have to worry about the part from the breaker to the panel because it's in a, it's in a metal raceway. Okay, we're, we're containing that arc. We're containing all that. Okay, then it's okay. So that's your allowance. The last one is item six, and that says where a listed metal or non-metallic conduit or tubing or type MC cable is encased in not less than two inches of concrete for the purpose of branch circuits between the branch circuit overcurrent device that's back in your panel, circuit breaker, and the first outlet, it shall be permitted to be to be installed install a listed outlet branch circuit type AFCI in the first outlet to provide protection for the remaining portion of the branch circuit. Now, 
the caveat here is encased in two inches of concrete. Now, when we say type MC, obviously it's got to be PVC jacketed type that is designed to be installed encased in concrete. Okay, um, or you know tubing. A lot of people get confused and they think that EMT can't be installed in concrete, and it can. Okay, it usually has a certain type of protective coating on it already, part of its UL listing in its process. Um, now, it's different from installing it in a severe corrosive condition, which might require supplemental protection. Um, I am going to give a shout out to the the um, uh, Steel Tube Institute. You can go to their website, steeltubeinstitute.org, and read all about the things that you probably didn't even know were aware about things like EMT or rigid metal. A great website for information. Again, at Steel Tube, steeltubeinstitute.org. I hope I get that URL right. Uh, go over there and learn about some facts. People say, oh, I can't install EMT in the ground. Not so true, buddy. Not so true. Now, now, there's different types of EMT, and I encourage you to go over there, and, and, and there's a great Q&A over there at the Steel Tube Institute. If you want to Google it, just in, just Google Steel Tube Institute, and you can get all you want uh, about that. All right, so, um, of course, you could also use non-metallic conduit as well for this application where it's encased in two inches of concrete, all right? The caveat to this is it all has to be encased in it. So if you only go partial way and then your raceway comes out of the encasement, then you're theoretically in violation, okay? So it's got to be encased from the point where it starts to the point where it ends, uh, and sometimes that can be complicated to do. But if you can do it, here's the rule that's going to allow you to do it if you encase it, okay? Now, there is an exception to the rule here. Now, this is an exception, uh, and most people get confused. This isn't an exception to item six. This is an exception to the AFCI protection requirements. And it says, AFCI protection shall not be required for an individual branch circuit supplying a fire alarm system installed in accordance with 760.41B or 760.121B. It goes on to say, the branch circuit shall be installed in okay, a metal raceway, metal auxiliary gutter, Steel armored cable, type MC or type AC cable, meeting the applicable requirements of 250.118 with a uh, with metal boxes, conduit bodies, and enclosure. So you get an exception, but only exception is saying, look, I'll let you skip this for these types of circuits, provided that you install them in a metal raceway, a metal auxiliary gutter, steel armored cable, uh, type MC or AC, uh, either one, and uh, and it meet the requirements, and that raceway meets the requirements of 250.118, and you use a metal box. We'll let you not have to meet the AFCI protection requirements for these specific fire alarm system applications. All right, so that's your rule, okay? So that is what we're looking at as a proposed change for 2020. So instead of the arguments on what's considered similar rooms, and people have called me and said, well, Paul, the code says it's a bedroom, but it's it doesn't necessarily meet the habitable space rules. It doesn't necessarily qualify for a habitable room. It looks and walks and talks like a bedroom, but it doesn't have egress requirements, but you know they're going to use it. I get inspectors call me all the time. I know you're going to use this as a bedroom. I want AFCI protection. Well, I would tell you it's very similar. 
It might technically be a bedroom. But now we can get rid of all that confusion. It is is what it is. So it's going to now require AFCI protection in the 2020. Uh, it made it through the two-thirds vote. It made it through the code panel committees. It will go to the public comment. I look for it to make it past that. Um, it simply makes sense. I don't see us going backwards, even though there's the people out there that are going to say, Paul, you can never say never. Well, you know what? If your local jurisdiction wants to amend it out, they're going to do that anyway, just like Virginia has done. In their foolish wisdom, I like to say that. that's an oxymoron in it, foolish wisdom, uh, they have kept it to bedrooms. Okay. Again, I was on my soapbox. I talked to you about a condition I experienced. I talked to you about what I know about it. You can agree to disagree. I do not care. I'm sure I'll get a number of thumbs down and I can guarantee you that 99.9% of those thumbs down are going to come from one online forum of moderators who are very self-serving. Okay. All right. Anyway, at the end of the day, it is what it is, my friends. So hopefully you learned something new about what's coming down the pike about AFCIs, whether you're for them, you love them, you hate them, it is what it is. Um, that's what you got. So until next time, my friends, hopefully you learned something, uh, a little insight in the code development process, what's coming for the 2020. Uh, if you support it, I encourage you to support it. Uh, and I encourage you to learn more and more and more. There's nobody that knows better about these products than the manufacturers. Yes, they serve to gain something. But let's be real. I'm an electrician. I do not want increased liability. I don't know what gets done to my wires after I put them in the wall. I don't know what the plumbers are going to do. I don't know what the framers are going to do. Just like in my case, I didn't know what the finished framer was going to do. Okay? So, I'd rather have that protection. Now, whether you're an electrical contractor and you want to gripe about it, if you don't want to charge for it, then tell you what. Here's my suggestion to you. Give it away for free. Are you going to do that? Probably not. You're going to get paid for it. Now, I don't mean inflate it. I don't mean over-exaggerate it. I don't mean over-hype it. I'm saying just charge for it. It is what it is. So anyway, everybody has opinions. That's the beauty of this country. And so until next time, my friends, God bless, stay safe. And again, uh, I encourage you to visit our website at masterthenec.com. Watch our videos. Listen to our podcasts. Share them with your friends. Share them on social media. Um, I do have a webinar coming up on May 12th, 2018 on how to perform calculations for exam prep. Uh, we do have a certified master electrical code professional certification program that is in the works. It is actually out there now. You can go learn more about it on our website. Uh, we do offer other services for municipalities, for engineering firms, all those types of things. Uh, we have a lot of stuff in the works. But I thank you for your continued support. I thank you for the thousands of emails I get a month. Uh, it's very encouraging. Uh, and you know that I'm here. I've been doing it for over 20 years, uh, doing podcasts and videos and training. Uh, I've been teaching inspectors and engineers and electricians for over 30 years, uh, since all the way back in the 80s. So until next time, stay safe. God bless. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.